It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for the weekend mailbag. So I am joined by the man who is fully vaccinated, but never duplicated. He is the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, how you feeling, brother? Fully vaccinated and never duplicated. Okay, I like it. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling <laughs> I'm feeling fully vaccinated, so I, I feel pretty great right now. Although I, I'm already starting to feel a little bit of pressure of, hey, you're vaccinated, now you can go outside. And so now I'm already starting to like think of ways to get out of plans. Somebody said that the worst part of being vaccinated and being able to go back to normal is that now you can't use it as an excuse to not see people that you didn't want to see in the first place anymore. I think that's going to be a big thing for you. <laughs> yeah that's that's gonna be i'm like all right i can go back out into the world again and then it immediately hit me oh i don't like going back out <laughs> the world. i like sitting right here chris nimbly the very big deal hermit <laughs> uh, listen I've, I've been growing out my beard super long this is the longest the beard's ever been my hair hasn't been cutting over a year and i keep telling people i feel like it fits my vibe and that vibe is Somebody who desperately wants to live, move out into the middle of the woods to live by themselves, but doesn't have any actual survival skills. So instead, he just grows a beard and long hair. It's like some bizarro world version of Duck Dynasty without the ability to survive in the wild. I think it would do well on television. Maybe we can get it on one of these fringe networks like Destination America. I don't even know what's on Destination America. I just see it when I'm passing through the channels, and I wonder what the heck's on that channel. So I got to figure, if I barely know that the channel exists, a very big deal reality show would probably bring them some ratings. Hey, let's let's do it. Let's talk. Let's get this going. <laughs> well, in the meantime, as I text an executive from Destination America to get this TV show going, let's answer some questions in the mailbag. First one comes in from Meyer NYC. He says, Chris, hope you're feeling better, sir. Whoever is picked at quarterback, would you play him right away or let him sit for a while? I've talked about this before, Chris. I know that you and I have had conversations, and Tim Jenkins talked about this on the podcast earlier this week. I think it's a case-by-case basis because there are players that are absolutely going to benefit by sitting. Then there are players that are ready to go week one and you should just start them. It really depends. Justin Herbert only sat for one week and then look what he ended up doing. Now I know that wasn't the original plan, but the point is he was obviously ready to play from the second that he jumped onto the field. Then there are cases like Jared Goff where he sat for nine games and then still struggled a little bit and didn't really start to put it together until Sean McVay came in the second year. Matt Ryan was 
was really good right away. Joe Flacco was okay. So it really depends on who the quarterback is. I think that's one where if you're a smart coaching staff, you evaluate it throughout training camp and going into the preseason. And then when you're done, you say, okay, long-term goals. Do we feel that he's our best option right now? And do we feel like it's best for his long-term growth? Can he handle starting week one? If the answer is yes, throw him out there. If the answer is no, it's okay to sit him for a few weeks. It would frustrate some people. And I know that there would be plenty of pushback in the media and with fans who want to see the guy right away. But if he's not ready to play right away, don't play him. So that's really where I come down on this. You got to evaluate it based on where he's at at the end of training camp in the preseason, and that's when you make the decision. Okay, so I'm kind of of two minds of this. I've been talking about this a lot lately about how I'm growing towards a certain point. But I'm going to start with saying I don't disagree with a single thing you said. And in fact, I agree with pretty much every single thing you said. And obvious that obviously not everyone, every quarterback is in the same stage developmentally some are going to be more prepared we've seen quarterbacks who were prepared to start week one we've seen quarterbacks who needed time or who benefited from time like we we have no idea what would have happened with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes if he started week one that first year we don't we have no idea how that would have played out and we will never have an idea exactly of how that would have played out but we've seen the end result and obviously the end result was great letting him sit until that week 17 game. Um, So it is obviously a case by case basis. um, And it's not just the player. Also, I think the team falls into this, you know, maybe if you're uh, a team that thinks that you're have a a real good shot at the playoffs, if the quarterback is right, maybe you want to push it a little bit more, but I'm getting to this point where I think if I was in charge I would draft the player and I would say right off the bat, he's not starting week one. Uh, just to kind of everything you just talked about, about the training camp. And then I, one of my favorite things I, I've ever done as a reporter was uh, when the Jets drafted Gino and Sanchez and, and Gino are, uh, are both in camp. I was doing uh, practice reports where I was like treating both of their performance, like a, uh, I was scoring a boxing card. So if Gino was way better than Sanchez that day, it would be I'd score it like a 10-8. If it was really close, it might be a 10-9 or a 10-10. And that was a lot of fun to cover and write those stories that way. But man, now you're you're mixing it up and you're getting uh, you're inviting the conversation, you're inviting the controversy, you're inviting all this stuff around it. And I feel like you'd just be better served just be like he's not starting week one. And then we'll, we'll take it from there. And now if something Tyrod gets his uh, you know lung punctured like with Justin Herbert, something like that happens and you feel he's ready to play, you can throw him in there. But I And it, it's a weird thing because obviously to be an NFL quarterback, you need to be able to handle pressure and deal with pressure and high pressurized moments and stuff. But I, I think that there might be something to the idea of just your first training camp, your first uh, everything along, just worry about learning the basics of the system. Just worry about the playbook. Just worry about you feeling comfortable and not worry that you have to be better than this guy or you have to do this. Um, I, I just feel like 
there might be something to that mindset. And the other part of that is I don't think that there's any way you can hurt a quarterback by not having him start right away where I do think it's possible that having him start before he's too ready can hurt the quarterback, but having him start a month after he is ready, I don't think that's going to hurt him. And so for a team that's in like really year one of their rebuild, I feel like I would just start off by saying there he's now it's really hard to say this right now because James Morgan's the backup quarterback. So that would, that would sound silly uh, to be like, Hey, James Morgan's going to be the starting quarterback. That's going to have to be something that plays into this as well. Um, Because you can't just give James Morgan the job, but if there was another guy here that we could trust it, like I know McMullen's had the elbow surgery, but he's supposed to be ready by training camp. And you can just say, he's going to start us off and we're just going to focus on getting uh, Zach ready as, as much as possible. And when he's ready, he's ready. I think there's something to that. Um, I'm not willing to say that that's the, the absolute only way to go. Um, but I, I feel like that's the approach that I would take. I would just say he's not starting for us week one. And then if he plays out of his mind and he's ready, then cool. I'll go back on that later. But I just want him to be able to focus and learn everything without like a rush to have to be ready by week one. And the media and the fans, if, if you let that live, we're gonna, it's gonna, we're gonna beat that story into the ground as well. And again, I just, I, I don't think there's anything, any harm in letting a quarterback who is ready sit another couple of weeks where I do think you can damage a quarterback by playing him before he's ready. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Michael Parsons. He says, do you think the Jets are more likely to pick at 23 and 34, or do you think they'll move out of one or both? Also, if you could pick one player who you most expect to be the realistic pick at both of those spots, who would it be? I think it's possible they could move out of either spot or could stay where they are. I've talked about this before. I think Joe Douglas is one of those guys who plays the board. He sees where the guys that he really likes goes, and if there's somebody that he really likes that's a couple spots away, he considers moving up. We saw that last year, of course, with the offensive linemen. If there's a bunch of guys that he thinks are all in that same general area, he'll move back. We saw that happen in the second round with Denzel Mims, for example. So I think it really depends. One guy that I keep hearing more and more and more about is Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma State. He's the kind of guy that could start at guard this year and then end up as the long-term answer at right tackle. Nick Spano of U-Stadium was on the show yesterday, and I agree with him. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, say, Jenkins is sitting there like 19 or 20, if Douglas decided to make a move up to get him. And certainly, if he slides to 23, I think he'd be at the top of their list. And then again, if some of these guys that he really likes don't slide to that area, maybe he's willing to move down a couple of spots, pick up extra picks, and then get somebody from that other tier of guys that he likes, but not quite as much. So it could go either way. As far as realistic picks, I think Jenkins at 23 would be great. I don't know that he makes it there. Vera Tucker's another one. I'm not sure he makes it there, but if he does, certainly he'll be in the mix. 
I also think Greg Newsom and Caleb Farley, if Farley drops and if Newsom is there at 23, those are your most realistic ones, I think. They'll probably go offensive line or corner, and I could see them doing the same thing at 34. They'll probably look at somebody like Creed Humphrey at number 34. We've heard a lot about how the Jets like him. Maybe Landon Dickerson, Wyatt Davis. If there's a corner still on the board, as I said, if Farley drops down a little bit because of his medical or if Newsom is somehow there at 34, I think those are the guys that they'll look at. So basically to sum up what you asked, I think the Jets could trade slightly up or back. I think that they're most likely going to pick corner and offensive line with those two picks. But I will also add the caveat that if there is an offensive player or a defensive player that they absolutely love that fell, that they just can't pass up. For example, let's say they really like Jalen Phillips. Maybe they pick him at 23, even though corner is a more dire need. An offensive line is a more dire need. If they see an edge rusher that they really love, maybe they do that. Maybe if a wide receiver like Devontae Smith slides or Jalen Waddell, I don't expect this to happen, but if it does, maybe then they would make a move there. So that's really where I would come down on it. Yeah, the thing that complicates this question so much is how the board's going to fall and who's there because that, especially with that 23 pick, there's a, there's a good chance that that 23 pick is kind of a no man's land for him where uh, maybe he, he doesn't like quite like anybody to take that spot. So maybe he would be willing to trade down and get uh, somebody else a little bit later. I could see him, I could see him trading up for a, an Elijah Vera Tucker or a Jenkins. Absolutely. I think that, uh, that that if he sees somebody at a position that they need and somebody he really likes, I could see him doing that. Now he's not going to trade up super far. He's not going to, you know, be giving up a lot of, he didn't gather all these draft picks up just to give them all away. So willing to move up a couple of spots. I could see it for one of those guys. Um, As far as trading down now, I can absolutely see him trading down at points in the draft. One thing is I, I was told that he uh, when he made the trade with Carolina, he really liked getting the those picks next year, getting that second and fourth next year because he's, he's like thinking like we got plenty of picks for this year. You know, they don't need to be get bringing 20 players in, uh, 20 rookies into training camp. So they got a lot of picks now. So I don't think you're going to see him doing as much trade down just to pick up more picks that he did uh, some of that last year. If he does, I think you, you might see an eye on that later in the draft with picks for more next year picks in there. <laughs> but you're right. He like Joe Douglas, it seems it appears that he's going to be somebody who's going to be willing to play the board and move up and down the board as he sees fit. Um, I think, Elijah Vera Tucker would be the pick there in my in my mind. I'd say if he's there, I think that they're going to pick him. I do not think he will still be there though. That that's where the problem comes in. Then if someone Jenkins is still there, I think they would go there. I I where we disagree is I think that they'd be uh, more likely to go for like a Zayvon Collins or a Jeremiah Wosu uh, Koromoa instead of a cornerback there. Um, I, I, and I think that would be a smart decision. You can get cornerbacks later, get a, a, getting a coverage linebacker is not an easy thing to do. 
both those guys would fill that spot really nicely and would be a really good fit with what uh, they're, they're trying to do. So I, I think those would make a lot of sense. Um, but I, I feel confident that Joe Douglas is hoping that an offensive lineman he likes there is sitting there. And uh, if, if they can't get that at one or 23, then I think they'll probably be trying to look for that 34. Um, but yeah, that's, that's tough. And that 34 pick it to, to, uh, try to tie down is going to be, of course, even harder board fall and who's going to be there. Uh, you mentioned again at the 23, if someone like a Jalen Waddle came up, I sure maybe, um, but I, it would have to be one of those top receivers for them to consider them there. Um, but I, again, I think offensive line, an edge guy possible, this isn't a good edge class though. And even like Jalen Phillips is somebody that a lot of people really like, but he's had a history of concussions. So there's a lot of, uh, moving parts there that, uh, you know, I, if you're choosing at trying to pin me down position wise, I'd be saying offensive line, um, is what he's eyeing, but it's going to depend on how that board falls. And again, with Elijah Vera Tucker, me thinking that he's probably not going to still be there, that could throw everything else off. But um, I just, I, I think that people aren't paying quite enough attention to the idea of getting a, a, a coverage linebacker with one of those, those two picks. Next question comes in from Eric Sanchez. He says, Say Deshaun Watson has his name cleared before the draft. Do you still trade for him over taking Wilson or Fields? And if you do, what do you think it would take to get him? Would it be as much as originally speculated? I don't want to get into the whole situation with Deshaun Watson because facts are still coming out, so I'll let that play out. But I will say this. There's no way that that's going to get resolved before the draft, and the Jets are going to draft a quarterback, and once they do that, that's it. They're not going to be making a move for Watson, even if he gets cleared. Once they have their quarterback, they have their quarterback, and they're going to move forward. So I think any thought of them going out and getting Deshaun Watson, that's over with. Yeah, I'll just I'll just play it this way. Let's just pretend that we live in a hypothetical world where an hour ago Deshaun Watson was completely vindicated and it was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's completely innocent. Um it's a hypothetical world that we do not live in, but let's just pretend that we do for this question. Um, I would still trade for him in that situation. I would think that it would. It, this is tough to tell what uh, the, you know, what it would cost. It wouldn't cost more than before. Maybe it would cost a little. You would have to think it would cost a little less, just because there's less suitors in there. But this is the thing. What you said about once they draft Zach Wilson, they're sticking with Zach Wilson is a hundred percent true. At that point they committed to him and they're not, they're not trading him off for John. No, that's not happening. I also think that they're, it's too late in the stage. Now, even if it was, they were a, a complete, he was completely vindicated. I still think the jets, once you make up your mind to draft a quarterback and you've sat with it and you've lived with it, Man, it's it, it's it's really tough to get those guys to budge off of that. So I th I think no matter what, they would just still be drafting Zach Wilson there. 
That's going to wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you're following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider and reading his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, including Kayla Pace's latest episode of Pace's Playbook, episode number four, where she breaks down whether or not it would be a good idea for the Jets to pick Zach Wilson at number two overall. So if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, go ahead and do that. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that too, we'd be really appreciative. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. <laughs>